1: And welcome to Let's Talk About It. This is your host, Taylor, and I cannot believe that today is the 192nd episode of Let's Talk About It. I cannot believe I've been doing this for 192 episodes. That is wild. But welcome. I'm so thrilled to have you here and really, really excited to share with you this conversation today, this interview. It is with a dear friend of mine who I'm so excited to introduce to y'all on the podcast. And I've actually introduced some of y'all to her through uh, Patreon. So back when I did that last year, uh, Mia had came on there and I'll share a little bit about Mia before we get into the interview and also just wanted to give a mini update that I am recording right now this introduction to Mia's episode in my new office, in my house and just thinking about how long I've been doing this for, for almost three years, in December will be three years <laughs> that I've been doing the podcast. So much in my life has changed, uh, like location wise, relationship wise, like f- with my family, with my career, with <laughs> my relationship with myself. So much has happened in the span of doing this podcast. And I know I haven't always made these episodes personal and sharing what it is that I am going through necessarily, but man, geez, geez, Louise, (laughs) 192 episodes in, uh, it's just really wild to me. And I, I hope that y'all have enjoyed the adventure thus far with me. Um, it's just, it's pretty wild. Um, so yeah, I'm going to be processing that a little bit more, <laughs> and uh, as we come into December, um, there is a possibility I will be stopping the podcast um, and potentially, you know, exploring different avenues, different platforms, uh, perhaps changing up the show. Uh, I'll speak more on it in a few episodes. You know, once I kind of process it more and figure out where exactly I want to go with it, but. Um, It's looking like there might be a change soon. So just wanted to let you all know that and I'll keep you updated on what I decide and where things go. So with all of that, I want to share a little bit about who Mia is and then also let her like introduce herself because she's just amazing. Uh, And so Mia is a white, queer, neurodivergent, disabled. That is,
0: (laughs) this is,
1: (laughs) he's going to keep going if I don't stop this right now. That is Robert here to help me put together my bookshelf. So (laughs) I'll be right back. All right. And we're back. And, you know, I'm sure the more quote unquote professional thing to do is to edit all of that out. But one of the things that I love about doing a podcast and that I hope, like, you notice or you appreciate or helps in some way is just keeping it real, keeping all of the messiness involved. And, Having it not be this like picture perfect, completely perfect thing, because uh, I don't think life is that way, and I think that's also kind of the my goal in doing the podcast is to show that sometimes there is beauty in the messiness of things to show that sometimes it is okay for things to not be in this perfect package that we expect or feel it should be in. And when we allow ourselves to do that, we really take a lot of pressure off
2: of ourselves
1: and like allow and give ourselves permission to just be authentic. And you cannot have authenticity without having mistakes, without having imperfections. Um, those are all of the things that help create our uniqueness and our authenticity. So, I'll I'll pause on that rant and uh, I'll get back to where I was now before Robert came to start putting together my bookshelf for me. Major thanks, shout out, appreciate you. Um, So today's episode is with my dear friend Mia, who is a white, queer, neurodivergent, disabled, introverted, nerdy, and relationship-oriented human. They are also a Washington State clinical supervisor, an ASEC certified sex therapist, also an asex certified sexuality educator, a medical family therapist, and licensed marriage and family therapist in both private practice. Uh, at Mia Fine Therapy, PLLC, and in group practice at PNW Sex Therapy Collective, all here in Seattle, Washington. Mia is a student of queer theory, intersectionality, and social justice, and offers holistic and trauma-informed therapy. Among other modalities, they also utilize components of polyvagal theory, wheel of consent, DBT and transformative justice in their therapeutic and educational work and they're really just like one of my favorite therapist friends one of my favorite humans that I have met couldn't say more positive things about Mia so without any further ado let's talk about it Right, Welcome, Mia Fine, to the show. I'm so excited to talk to
2: you today and to have you with me. I'm so happy to be here, Taylor. I absolutely adore you. <laughs> this is going to be fun. Yeah. So
1: for folks that maybe like haven't listened to every single piece of content I've ever put out in my entire life, um, Mia, you joined me on Patreon for a hot minute when I was on there.
2: Exactly. And that was a lot of fun. Yeah. We did some recapping mm-hmm. and yeah. And just our natural, our natural go. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Super fun. Um, I feel like it's almost been a year
2: that I've known you, right? Yeah, it has. Yeah. It was, I think longer actually. Cause I, no, 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 it was longer. It's been Over like almost two years. Yeah. It's wow. been two because I met you, Um, when I was in the apartment before the last apartment before the house. And Mm. I so it's been like a good two years. Wow. Which is wild. Time flies. (laughs) Well,
1: I'm so happy to have you as a friend and so excited to like share, like, I I guess I also just want to say for listeners, like, entering into, like, a new field is kind of a scary thing, and especially as therapists when you are in private practice, like, it feels a bit isolating and pretty lonely, and, like, being able to connect with other therapists is huge, but also being new into, like, the sex therapy world is also kind of a scary thing, and you've just been so, like, welcoming and so kind, and I was, like, so excited, like, when we did connect that I was like, oh! A sex therapist friend in Seattle. Yay.
2: <laughs> I love it. And I love how you dove like right into this field. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's been really great to get to know you and grow close, closer to you throughout yeah. the couple of years. Um, and you're like, just like tapping into that piece of private practice can be so isolating. Mm-hmm. That's why um, like we created the collective mm-hmm. and to support each other because I don't think we can do that work alone. And so yeah. often people think, we're supposed to. And mm-hmm. I, like, we got to kind of like turn around and run the opposite way. And that's yeah. why like supervision and consultation. And anytime I have a question, call you on the phone mm-hmm. and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like really collaboration is the key. Super, yeah.
1: super yeah. collaboration. So important. Like actually being in community and like using your community. So, so key.
2: And the vulnerability that we can have with other clinicians, Mm -hmm. like it teaches, it's like the opposite of, it's like fighting white supremacy, Mm -hmm. right? Like fighting the perfectionism that we don't have to have all the answers. Mm -hmm. People who have all the answers or pretend they do, those are the folks I worry about the most. And having the like, Curiosity coming from a place of humility, mm-hmm. coming from a place of like asking questions mm-hmm. in spaces where you feel safe to ask them. And I like, I feel that relationship with you mm-hmm. that we have the um, quote unquote professional therapeutic relationship yeah. and also a friendship where I like, we have throughout the like, we've counted on each mm-hmm. other. And I yeah. like, I don't know, I deeply value that. Yeah.
1: Same, same, yeah. same, same. And like you've been in the field, this, this especially specifically the field of sex therapy for much more than I have. And so in so many ways, I look up to you in this and I'm just like oh. so honored and also feel like you're just, you are, you're such a badass. Um, Thanks, and I'm wondering if you can share a little bit for folks about kind of how you got into doing sex therapy to begin with
2: and why yeah. that Totally. Yeah, I would be happy to. And thank you for the compliments. Mm-hmm. That's oh, that's awesome and yeah. super sweet to hear. Um, yeah, so I moved up here from California with the idea that I was gonna um, potentially work in hospitals, thinking that might be a setting um, to help folks in terms of like systemic change and uh, and I'd always I like for most of us were like that person in middle school or high school or whatever where people are talking about sex mm-hmm. and having questions and I grew up in a yeah. very sex positive household which I like have a I'm super fortunate to have that ha- have had that experience mm-hmm. um, and so I was that friend right I was also yeah. the friend who like introduced people to smoking cigarettes and drinking and all that so like mm-hmm. you know I was that person <laughs> too that human yes. um, And then the, you know, the friend who was like, friends would come out too. And I think a lot of us who are sex therapists had a very similar experience. So I, once I learned that there was a career where I could, Mm -hmm. um, I could be of service and I could find like a job that like was fulfilling Mm -hmm. and fun. I was like, hell yeah, that's for me. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was thinking the medical thing, thinking, which again, like has a whole different story and then thinking sex therapy and I came up here um, to do both of those and then followed this incredible path and I did the whole certification through ASECT and I'm now an ASECT supervisor mm-hmm. and I did the sexuality education certification which was like instrumental to my learning experience mm-hmm. um uh, learning from people who have different lived experiences, different perspectives, Bianca Loriano, who was mm-hmm. my supervisor during my certification, and the education route was is a dear, dear friend, like chosen family, mm-hmm. and um I just like you know adore her, mm-hmm. so that kind of was a i don 't know if that really answered your question of how I got here, okay. um but I cannot imagine a different career for myself. I love it mm-hmm. so. So much, mm-hmm. it is the best, mm-hmm. and, and watching supervisees and watching other folks in the collective <laughs> yeah. who are like newer getting it and being like, Oh my gosh, my client had an orgasm mm-hmm. first time in like 20 years, yeah, or oh, this relationship is actually they're talking about eroticism, they're talking about mm-hmm. like their desire discrepancy, they're sharing their fantasies. My client no longer has sexual pain, and I'm collaborating with their pelvic floor PT. Like, this brings me life, yeah, it just brings me life, and so seeing that systemic change. Taylor, there's like legit nothing else I'd be rather I'd rather mm-hmm. be doing in yeah. my life. It's the coolest. Yeah. So, I landed. Yeah.
1: I mean, and I feel like that honestly, I feel like it's how a lot of people feel in the sex therapy world. Like I feel like sex therapists fucking love doing sex therapy. Like yeah, they love yeah. all things sex and yeah. seeing that like come to life for other people. Like I remember my first time like kind of unpacking and helping a client through preparation and communication and aftercare for anal sex yes. and like it, having a great experience. I was like, this is the <laughs> best job ever. This is all I want to talk about. Like every session is how's anal okay. sex going? How are we feeling I, with this?
2: It is. And it, it's, again, it's like, it's exploring and expanding mm-hmm. how we do life and being yeah. intentional. Um And it's also the opposite of shame. Mm-hmm. Like if we can create space for people to feel safe enough to go to these most intimate, yeah. uh, places with us. It just, it, it like, it unpacks that shame. It it just mm-hmm. like clears it out, which I think is like the essence of our work.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, and it's just like, it's empowering and it, it offers agency and it's systemic because then those mm-hmm. people help those people around them. And those people help them. It just, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, a lot of us do have this, like, incredible love for the work we Mm -hmm. are doing, which I, I don't know if, I mean, it's such a gift. Mm -hmm.
1: Absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's definitely this like domino effect, if you will. It just, it, it, it's yeah. It gets spread around in a very positive way. Um, the impacts of I think the work that people can experience in sex therapy, and a lot of people come to sex therapy because they feel like they're having some kind of problem with their sex life, or with their sexuality, or with their own like personal sexual experiences. And a topic that you are particularly passionate about and are working on as well for, because we're in the same PhD program too is vaginismus. And I I have more I want to learn about vaginismus. And I also think so many people don't know what it is. They don't know Mm -hmm. what to do with it. I think it is a specific problem with the vagina that people feel shame around to even discuss, to even hear the word. Um, Mm -hmm. And so how did you kind of get to be so specific into this one specific issue of
2: vaginismus? I mean, I I think that's a great question. So I, like, as you know, I love working with queer folks. Mm -hmm. I love working with people who are, Um, wanting to explore or open up their relationship, Mm -hmm. relationships that were once monogamous. And, and, you know, maybe we do another talk on Mm -hmm. all of that deliciousness. Um, And I found that there were a large number of folks who are coming to work with me with pelvic floor pain. Um, and they were people who are non-binary, people who I, you know, are um, AFAB, assigned female at birth, um, people who are in relationships where there was some sort of trauma, and they didn't. It was really difficult for people to articulate that they were having. Pain Mm -hmm. during this big, you know, sex and everything that's, you know, sex means. And um, so I, you know, over some time, like learned how to ask certain questions. And now I have diagrams that help uh, identify where is, where, if you are feeling pain, what does that pain feel like? Mm -hmm. Where is it located? What do we know about? antecedent? What do we know about what comes before that? What are the stressors in your life? Um, So it's a very holistic Mm -hmm. uh, viewpoint of like how to consider what's actually happening with this person. Um, You know, a lot of us who were assigned female at birth have had pain during sex. Mm -hmm. And um, some of that can be very, very related to uh, sexual interest and arousal Mm -hmm. issues, right? If there's not adequate stimulation and Um, or relationship concerns, it can definitely Mm -hmm. exacerbate or lead to pain. So again, all of those quote-unquote dysfunctions, if you will, which again, I have a lot of issues with the term dysfunction Mm -hmm. in the medical industrial complex in general, um, which is trash basically. Um, But they are very much, if we think about, I think in Venn diagram, so orgasm issues, uh, sexual interest and arousal, and then um, genital Mm -hmm. pelvic pain and penetration, which is what we call that what we now call vaginismus and dysprunia Mm -hmm. falls underneath that I
0: don't know if that
2: answered your question but like I Mm -hmm. I was noting that I like to answer your question I kind of ride the wave of what comes to Mm me and having been a person who's had painful sex in my life um I have lived experience of it. I know what worked for me and I'm a total nerd. Mm -hmm. And so reading up about this, how to support my clients who experience Mm -hmm. this, how to support my supervisees who have clients who experience this has just become um, an incredible part of of the work I do. And again, being nerdy, like the more we know, Mm -hmm. like we get to learn all this info and there's a gap in research. and, And so the dissertation I'm writing is about Uh, clinical strategies for inclusive care for Mm -hmm. people with pelvic floor pain. Because so often people who have quote unquote vaginismus or painful sex will go to a women's clinic, Mm -hmm. but they don't identify as women. Mm -hmm. They're not women, right? And so we've got issues with how the medical system is uh, constructed. Mm
1: -hmm. So
2: this is a, you know, it's a book to help people um, with strategies to be more
1: inclusive. Yeah. I cannot wait I cannot wait for you to put that out. And I think it will be so helpful for so many people. And I think so much of what I'm hearing as you talk about this is just like a lot of these problems, which like is, this feels like a Captain Obvious statement, but so many of these problems also, and like dysfunctions, Mm -hmm. uh, are a result of a lack of education. Like you don't know how your vulva or your pelvic floor or your vagina works in the first place and how to have actual pleasurable sex that like happens through that communication, through allowing space for that arousal, all of those things. When all of that isn't there, of course, we're going to have issues. Of course, it's going to go wrong and not feel good.
2: Right. And I can't tell you how many times a year or a month, or sometimes even a day, I educate the difference between a vulva and a vagina, Mm -hmm. right? Like anatomy and this idea of all of us having similar parts and pieces. We just, as you mentioned, our our sex ed, you know, just crap in Mm -hmm. this country. So what we're doing, what you're, I mean, and you do such an incredible job of it is educating people from Um, like the individual to the systemic Mm -hmm. so that change can actually happen. And a lot of this work I do with clients is about educating about the body and Mm -hmm. also inviting the agency that people have to learn about themselves. And so that takes some major Mm destigmatization. People don't, we don't know what we don't know. And most are afraid of what we don't understand. Mm -hmm. Um, And so learning about the body and how it works, how do you turn yourself on? How do you Mm -hmm. turn yourself on, off, right? Right? How does your partner turn you on? How does your partner mm-hmm. turn you off? Um, you know, figuring out like Emily Nagowski's work, accelerators and brakes, you know, mm-hmm. all of the above. And then when it comes to pain, there's so much that happens, mm-hmm. right? There is the physical pain and and to go back to like the definitions, like. Dysprunia is the actual physical sense of pain, and vaginismus is the clenching. Hmm. So mm-hmm. that's where those are different. And what what um, historically they, those are no longer in this DSM, the Diagnostic Statistics statistical manual, they now have genital pelvic pain and penetration. Um, And also it's called uh, high tone pelvic floor because it is Mm -hmm. about the pelvic floor Mm -hmm. muscles. But there's a lot that goes into it. Anxiety, relationship Mm -hmm. concerns, sometimes medication, if it's primary versus secondary, what was the etiology? When when did this first start? Mm -hmm. Um, So there's a lot of exploring and a lot of assessment and and inviting, uh, you know, in that sexual history that we get to do, which is one of my favorite things to Mm -hmm. do is to learn about a client's lived experiences and, and have them share their life. Mm -hmm. Um, we gather information and then we figure out what's going on and what to do with it.
1: Yeah. Well, so I'm wondering how, what your comfort level is with sharing your personal experience here, or Mm -hmm. if we want to kind of stick to like what people come in with. I
2: think, so love that consent, right? Mm -hmm. Um, what I'll say is, again, going back to we don't know what we don't know. And coming into, so with me, my experience was that it had to do somewhat with relational issues at Mm -hmm. the time. Um, So like noticing,
1: so like essentially noticing the the clenching, the squeezing, essentially your body being like, do not enter.
2: Our bodies give us info, Mm -hmm. right? Pain is information. Mm -hmm. It's a Information and um, and we have to listen to that information. We just learn from these bullshit messages from society that oh, the first time is supposed to be painful, right? Yeah. like mm-hmm. that! It's not. Yeah. It's not supposed to be painful, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be painful. And we say that, um, but we learn not to listen. And especially those of us again assigned female birth, socialized yeah. women, right? Or in this this idea of, of female. Um, learn not to listen to our bodies. Mm -hmm. We learn not to listen to the cues that our body is giving about stress, about discomfort. Um, so, you know, for me, it was about not knowing what it was that I wanted Mm -hmm. sexually, erotically, intimately. It was about not feeling necessarily safe, Mm -hmm. um, and kind of quote unquote pushing through. Right. And I no longer do, I mean, you and I were just talking about how like, the fabulousness that can be sex lives Mm -hmm. and being now in a space in my world where I get to enjoy. um, I just can leave it at that. I have an incredible sex life and (laughs) I am grateful that I, I now like know myself. Mm -hmm. Um, I know my body. I know what I want and I can communicate that with people. Yeah. 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 The, the pushing through
1: I think that is so many people's like lived experiences and like majority since I started having partnered sex at, well, pre-penetration, pre-penetrative sex would have been middle school. Like I, like my first like blow job was like in seventh grade. Um, Mm -hmm. so even just having sex in middle school still from, from then to now, majority of my sexual experiences have had this element, this conditioning, this presence of, well, you push through. It's something Mm. that's done to you or that you do for someone else. Mm. And all of those messages, all of that... Conditioning and and absorbing that disconnected me from actually listening to my body and being able to act in a way and communicate in a way that would actually be informed and helpful to help me experience pleasure. And I think that's such a key part that people like need to unpack because, especially for like socialized women, mm-hmm. the just push through I th- like I, th- I feel like so many people listening would resonate with that of like sex feels like something you just have to push through even when you feel that pain even when you feel that discomfort you're just like okay let me just yeah just okay
2: mm-hmm. but yep. if we were invited right and that like thank you for sharing that and also that's like the patriarchy yeah right because you know and I'm older than you mm-hmm. but we're in a similar you know we've had similar experiences where sex has been focused on the other person's pleasure. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. instead of recognizing how, what is it that I want right now? What is it that I'm doing? Is this obligatory and Mm -hmm. for whom? If it's obligatory asking like, why am I, why am I doing this? So much of it now is about noticing, Mm -hmm. noticing what my body is telling me, what feels good. And this isn't, I'm not talking about, um, Painful sex, when it comes to fabulous kink and BDSM, I'm talking about unwanted sexual pain, like the, the sexual pain that's not invited, Mm -hmm. that we don't feel like we have agency over and not necessarily even medically induced, like a Mm -hmm. medical trauma, which can definitely contribute to vaginismus, Mm dyspareunia, high tone pelvic floor, GPPD. It's, um, oftentimes it's about the, those messaging, you know, messaging, That sex is supposed to be painful. You push through, messaging that your body's gross, messaging that sex is for those people who look like that, Mm -hmm. not the people who who look like this or who feel like this inside. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Sex is for the right. And I love Sonia Renee Taylor's book, My Body's Not Apology. As it goes through those isms and obias that we Mm -hmm. learn that are conditioned and that you and I in our work as clinicians, Mm -hmm. as sex therapists, like we get to help people unlearn these and to unpack them. And then again, like regarden, like Mm -hmm. replant, like plant those messages that, that are actually incredibly healing Mm -hmm. and nurturing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, how do you, how do you like differentiate between like, someone coming in and basically saying, you know, yeah, I'm experiencing a lot of this pain. There's a lot of like this clenching, you know, you do the whole like holistic overview of what's going on in their life. Are they feeling safe? All of this. What makes something more of a medically induced vaginismus uh, as opposed to, you know, okay, this is kind of stemming from all this conditioning. We need to get you more in touch with your body. We need to unpack and relearn and kind of, you know, create new experiences. Like if someone's struggling with that, you know, they might be going to the yeah. doctor and being like, I think I, something's wrong with me medically. Right. My vagina is broken. I have a broken pussy. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> that's from Insecure. It's an amazing little rap she does about broken pussy. Um, but yeah, for someone that's like, oh, do I have to go to the doctor or like, should I be going to a sex therapist?
2: So... Excellent question. Love this question. Um, I still do the sexual biography for every person. Mm -hmm. So messaging is going to impact all of us. I don't know messages that don't. I don't. I've not worked with anybody or had people in my life, and you know, I'm an introverted relationship slut. So I like Mm -hmm. love relationships. I have lots of them. I have my my friends are my world, my family, um, partners. Like I just I love intentional relationship. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I haven't met anybody who is impacted by, impacted by messaging. Yeah. So that, that sexual biography, which is so like rich with information and deliciousness. Mm-hmm. And also we talk about painful experiences mm-hmm. like trauma and the times that sex hasn't been good. And the times that you, you remember being shamed early on from someone from your family of origin or from a peer or learned crap messaging, you know, during sex ed or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I didn't want to share that piece is that the sexual biography, which is a very powerful, um, healing session with folks, uh, just life-changing mm-hmm. right for people to share their story out loud. And so that helps inform <clears throat> how we do the work. Mm-hmm. Um, medically, it could be, uh, it could be pregnancy. Mm-hmm. It could be, um, uh, scar tissue from, mm-hmm. um, all sorts of, of concerns. I, uh, definitely scar tissue can play, play a huge role, um, in, uh, vaginous brunia, um, the whole gamut. Um, uh, and even like, um, uh, having a hymenectomy early, right. Having um, hymenectomy? Having, mm-hmm, hymenectomy. Yeah. What's, that what's could a monectomy? Hy- hymenectomy. Oh, hymen. <laughs> Hymenectomy.
1: <laughs> so having a hymenectomy.
2: God, so, That was a, that was a lot of words. Yeah. That sound very similar. Having Got a, it. you know, an yes. early on hymenectomy, it could be, um, medical trauma with a provider who mm-hmm. was doing, um, yeah. a path that didn't go well. Right. I mean, you name it, it mm-hmm. can be rape, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, it can, it can be across the board. Uh, so, you're, you know, you are bringing up a really great point here. That I work in collaboration mm-hmm. yeah. with pelvic floor PTs, urogynecologists. and so mm-hmm. when someone comes to work with me or anyone at the group, and they um, talk about pelvic floor pain, and actually even if they don't bring up pelvic floor pain, we will still ask that in their story yeah. because if there is desire discrepancy, if one person doesn't want to have sex and they don't know that pain is one of those reasons, it's up to the clinician to ask these questions and explore with them that this could be a possibility. Mm -hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I guess I was having pain. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, this might be part of what's contributing yeah. to the desire discrepancy or the, you know, sexual interest and arousal issues, mm-hmm. right? So asking, you know, comp- compassionately, asking these yeah. questions that are direct and um, inviting people to share the, these pieces can give a lot of info. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always will recommend somebody um, work with a sex positive yeah. and... um inclusive provider who uh, can, you know, spend time with them, who's going to know them, be client-centered, be Mm -hmm. patient-centered, who's going to be collaborative. And I have incredible referrals who I trust to do this work. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I work closely with pelvic floor PTs who I love, yeah. who I refer to all the time, who are my friends, who mm-hmm. I trust with with the clients I work with. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and w- so it's constant connection. Again, mm-hmm. that connection comes in and asking questions. Yeah. Um, and being mm-hmm. specific about Like, what are the client's needs here? What's going on with them and their story? Did that answer your question? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think this also just kind of goes back to like how important collaboration is. And I think a lot of people aren't super aware of the fact like your therapist can work with other
2: providers as well. Yes. And you can have be. like, yes, should be. I'm going to should there. I'm going <laughs> to yes. should there. I am. Should yes. be working with providers, right? And building relationship. Yes. And I'm sorry, I totally interrupted you. You're good.
1: You're good. That's a key point. Yes. Should be working with other providers. If that's like a necessary part of your treatment, you know, like your therapist can work in, in tandem with a pelvic floor therapist. Um, and I'm wondering if you can speak a little bit to like, the, I mean, yes, like the practices that people will do in order to help with relieving pain, Mm -hmm. um, helping explore more pleasurable sex, things like Mm -hmm. uh, dilators and whatnot, and also just like the accessibility of those kinds of things. Like a lot Uh, of people, I feel like don't even have accessibility to like a pelvic floor therapist and, um, you know, things like dilators and whatnot. So I wonder if we can get into a little bit of what, you know, treatment accessibility, treatment
2: and treatment accessibility looks like. 100%, yes. And and you and I have talked about this before Mm -hmm. and this is such an important topic for people to... Um, learn about and for you and I to talk about here in this space. Um, so when I refer to a public floor PT, again, it's someone who's going to be um, inclusive, who, mm-hmm. who is not going to misgender people, mm-hmm. um, trans affirming, queer affirming, poly, polyam affirming, non-monogamy affirming, kink affirming, um, uh, you know, not necessarily in the communities, but recognizes the significance of being informed about them, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so when it comes to dilators, there are some, I can send a list of some dilators that I recommend. However, that is somewhat outside of the scope of my practice as a sex therapist. What I can do is I can suggest that, that a client um, work with a pelvic floor PT or a urogynecologist or a naturopathic doctor to figure out whether dilators are a, uh, a good treatment plan for them, right? So I can make these suggestions about uh, providers who can um, do more hands-on work because as sex therapists, we don't touch people. Right. Um, there's that corny, uh, People always super think we sweet do. thing. <laughs> I know they think we do, but we t- sex therapists, we only touch the heart is the, that <laughs> corny phrase. We don't touch humans. Um, mm. uh, and and so there's that piece, right? So, uh, Botox can mm. um, be very localized in terms of helping someone with genital pelvic pain and penetration disorder. Um, that mm. dyspareunia, vaginismus and again, it could be a whole systemic issue with what's going on and i would never um recommend someone do kegels because that can actually cause even more harm to Mm -hmm. the body Mm -hmm. and what we're trying to do is relieve that so i don't know what's going on internally and that's Mm -hmm. where another provider will do their work and in tandem we're going to work together Mm um uh, pelvic floor pts are going to do different exercises send home at home exercise um uh, recommendations. And even if a client works with a pelvic floor PT one time, and then the pelvic floor PT, the folks I send don't necessarily need to do ongoing therapy with them can send home. These are the exercises. And it's, it's then up to the client to do that work. And I can be yeah. an accountability buddy as their sex therapist to kind of keep them going with it. Right. If, uh, if they aren't able to, um, uh, work on a regular basis with a pelvic floor PT. Uh, mm-hmm. Same with a urogynecologist. Most phys- most docs are going to be uh, covered by insurance. However, not everyone has insurance because, yeah. because again, medical industrial complex is mm-hmm. trash, right? Yeah. Um, I think that's a Bianca uh, quote, mm-hmm. but it's true. It's mm-hmm. total true, right? Because um, people can't afford it, and yeah. that gets into accessibility. So, uh, offering resources that are in my scope to offer, but like like I mentioned. Um, VFIT is an at home hmm. uh, treatment option that's similar to a dilator, but it has laser. It's not accessible. It's $495, or it was mm-hmm. like last year, last time I taught a course yeah. on this. Um, that was recorded. So wonderful. But like, they're expensive. Who can mm-hmm. afford these? Who are these for? They're expensive. Um, There's Sola, S-O-L-A, which is a newer treatment for pelvic floor pain that is um, also laser. Um, Mm -hmm. People go in twice a week for, I think, four weeks, but again, incredibly expensive. And then you have to weigh the options of, do I go the Botox route or do I go the Sola route? Um, Mm -hmm. Who who is this accessible for? So we really Mm -hmm. need a change in the healthcare, the yeah. medical system here, um, yeah. to offer more more accessibility to people, but oftentimes, and again, like the people I will refer to will work something out, mm-hmm. right? Or and a quarter of my practice is sliding scale, mm-hmm. um, and because accessibility is vital mm-hmm. to, to me staying in alignment with my values, so um, I don't know. That's,
1: yeah, yeah. That's a big well, one there and and it's I mean. I'm guessing here that majority of the folks that would be doing something like laser or dilators are people who medically are experiencing mm-hmm. this discomfort, this pain. Not necessarily the folks who, you know, given the the entire sexual history, the present moment, the lack of sex education, the lack of being in touch with your body. Those are not necessarily things that someone would need to do in terms of treatment or that, like, you'd recommend. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm assuming that majority of the folks who do come in with that with pain uh, during penetration, um, feeling that tightness or that pain um, in their vagina is because of that and not
2: necessarily medically induced. You just cons- really did a beautiful job of wrapping that up in a way that is very accessible for for folks that you yes exactly mm-hmm. i mean we have some really cool items for like the tilted uterus like the the o-nut is fabulous for tilted yeah, uterus. yeah 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 can right. you
1: talk, can you talk about the o-nut i've i've yeah. seen it and i've wanted to like partner with them in some way to share it and oh. be like yeah this is something people should know about yeah it's <laughs> fabulous i have it right on the other side of this wall here okay. <laughs> okay. Sure. Sure. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. let me go yeah. grab it sure sure yeah yeah Okay, Let's... one <laughs> Yeah. Let's get into the O nut. has a great name for it too, really. And I, I always hesitate too to like respond to people's questions because I feel like I get a lot of questions about like, yeah, I'm experiencing pain during sex, you know, should I be trying different positions, whatever? And I just I hesitate from giving that information directly
2: to people because I'm not their therapist. Okay. So O nut here.
1: Mm-hmm. This yep. is the box.
2: Okay, yeah. so they they are
1: rings that look like this. Yeah. I love their whole design too. Honestly, oh. just the, all their branding.
2: I love. <laughs> it's amazing. It's yeah. beautiful. So they're these stackable rings, and you mm-hmm. start with three of them. They also come with this very cute little mm-hmm. pouch. Um, they have them also in rainbow yeah. for those of us who are queer, and you do you start with three. They give you four, and you mm-hmm. stack them on the base of whatever is penetrating. So again, not to assume that mm-hmm. it's a penis. It could be a vibrator, yeah. dildo, right? Like you can use this with a strap on for, mm-hmm. um, for folks who uh, do not have a penis, mm-hmm. right? And you put this at the base of it yeah. and it cushions. So mm-hmm. it cushions. Yeah, it's a cushion. Serves as a cushion, um, and even I think depending on what the treatment options are for an individual seeking support for pelvic floor pain, um, you could use this for I think uh, dilators as well. But again, mm-hmm. ask your pelvic floor PT. Mm-hmm. But the there are these rings here that are customizable in terms of depth. You can add lube to them. Yeah, they're quite lovely. Yeah, um, and they essentially the go ahead. Oh no, they're like soft and squishy, and just, mm-hmm. and I mean, yeah. they're just, they're so great. They help yeah. with a, a lot of people have tilted uterus and don't, mm-hmm. don't even, don't even realize it. And that could also be a source yeah. of that pelvic floor pain. Yeah. And, a, and a larger item, like a larger um, dildo, a larger penis, right? Mm-hmm. Could, and even sometimes fingers mm-hmm. can cause more pain because the body, while the vaginal canal does stretch, um, sometimes with a larger penis, it's just not maybe great size and people are mm-hmm. afraid of lube and think that yeah. there's something wrong with them. If you use lube, which lube is fabulous. Yes. It's mm-hmm. awesome. Please go use some lube that works mm-hmm. for your body. Test yeah. it out first, making sure that you're not allergic to certain mm-hmm. warming liquids or whatnot. Yeah. And also that is compatible with with uh, yeah. uh, pleasure products and toys. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Can you expand a bit on uh, tilted uterus for folks and
2: how maybe you would go about identifying that? I would recommend they, again, talk to a med provider just Mm. to make sure that's what's going on. Mm -hmm. Then there are such awesome options out there. So we've got our O-nut here. Um, Wedges are Mm -hmm. fabulous for different positions. Mm -hmm. So, um, And I can send you a really great article that helps talk about this. But if it's a tilted uterus, there are ways that you can experience uh, pleasurable, enjoyable, fabulous sex. We just have you know, like a lot of us with disabilities, you know, Mm -hmm. me included, like we have, we get creative Mm -hmm. about certain things and there are, um, you know, more disability justice oriented and much more inclusive opportunities for support that Mm -hmm. uh, different sex toy uh, orgs are um, prioritizing in Mm -hmm. the way that they design their uh, their products, which is great. So mm-hmm. wedges are awesome. Oh, net is awesome. Lube, um, again, arousal and mm-hmm. interest and in educating about the differences between interest arousal, um, accelerators breaks mm-hmm. and transition between like a work day mm-hmm. or like navigating children and like a stressful house remodel. Right. Mm-hmm. And then like all of this to you know, sexy and erotic times. Like people think that we're just supposed to switch things on and that doesn't work like that. Sex is not natural for everybody. And Mm -hmm. I think that's, Cindy Darnell just put out a really great post on her social media. I love Cindy. She's a good Mm -hmm. friend. She just wrote about how there's, it's like the greatest sex myth. And it's so true that sex is supposed to be natural. It is not. We work on it. And Mm -hmm. part of it is that like, knowing ourselves, learning ourselves, and mm-hmm. that we get to change because humans are fluid. Yeah. And then how do you communicate that with your partner? And how do you get curious with your partner about mm-hmm. what it is that turns them on,
1: mm-hmm. right? See, I almost like at first I resonate with it. And then at second thought, I feel like the re- the only reason I feel sex is not natural for us is because we have actually conditioned ourselves to operate within a very capitalistic culture that takes us out of our bodies to make it so that it feels like sex isn't natural. When in fact, we've just lived in a colonized society that benefits from taking us away from our bodies, specifically assigned female at birth people.
2: You just nailed it. To where I'm like, "Mm," but it is actually quite (laughs) natural. (laughs) But what's reasonably natural? You know what I mean. Like yeah. in this yeah. in, in this world that we live in, that you know is burning literally. Yeah. But like in I'd this rather world, like
1: I, I would rather sex be what is natural to me than like oh, I have to, you know, produce all this stuff. I have to do this. Then I got to go do this. I got to send out a holiday card and blah, 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 blah. Like my dentist was just talking this morning. Oh yeah. Just really stressed out. You know, we got to send out the holiday cards and get everything ready for the hot. And I'm like, but do you though? Do you though? This is supposed to be like a relaxing time. And yet everyone is just way more stressed out. Like, does any of this matter? Stop. (laughs) Enjoy your life.
2: I think you and I have done work though. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's, we've di- done,
2: yeah. right. It's, it's, it, we have worked really hard, mm-hmm. Taylor. Like yeah. we've worked really hard and for many people, there's this assumption that, and what I mean by natural and, and I can't speak for Cindy, but yeah. it is a great, I'll, I'll DM you the post. Yeah, um, we'll link it. It's like, it is not natural for, for folks who don't know what we don't know. Mm-hmm. And totally to expect that they're supposed to poof, have Mm -hmm. spontaneous desire and spontaneous arousal and -hmm. just feel super horny and charged. That's not natural. We do have to plan and we do um, have to like get, we do get to know ourselves. Mm -hmm. And then yes, it becomes more of that innate, natural experience that, Mm -hmm. that again, that word should, which I really don't often
1: use, it should be. Yeah, it, it it can become something that flows a bit more. But I think also, you know, under patriarchy, folks with penises, there's the myth, you know, the conditioning that it's sex is so natural for you. You should be ready at all times. And then if something doesn't so work damaging. and your penis isn't doing what you want it to, it is just,
2: oh my gosh what is wrong with me? The penis is not a prop. Yes. It's not a prop, right? It's not a robot. Yeah. (laughs) It's not a robot. And just like different parts of our bodies, sometimes it's not going to work the way that we want it to. Mm -hmm. Right. And so by taking that pressure and you just, you know, I haven't talked about the vaginismus cycle, but it's Mm -hmm. very similar to people who do have um, penises. It's this like, anticipatory anxiety. I'm supposed to quote unquote perform, which I could talk, you and I could do a whole episode on Mm -hmm. performance. I don't know if you already have, but like this idea of performing, anytime that comes in, that's going to exacerbate anxiety. Mm -hmm. It's going to impact the body, right? Same thing happens with the vaginismus cycle. Mm. Um, Obligatory, we'll just use obligatory sex. Obligatory Mm -hmm. sex can lead to pain, Mm -hmm. right? And so, what a person experiences is in that anticipation of, I have to do this. Yeah. My body feels the anxiety, mm-hmm. right? It clenches up and says, no, and yeah. that gives me more anxiety mm-hmm. that my body is going to do that. And that leads to the pain, right? It's, it's this very vicious cycle, mm-hmm. a very vicious cycle. So if we manage, in addition to education, sex ed about yeah. the body psycho ed um learning about interests learning mm-hmm. about desire and how their body works um giving a uh, permission for people to communicate with each other and to mm-hmm. slow down and stop right and also a lot of it is like uh anxiety self regulation how do you co-regulate yeah. with partner you mm-hmm. know Mm-hmm. What does even like you know negotiation before sex look like? Yeah. What is like the simmering of like sexting during the day and preparing for this mm-hmm. like really fun experience at night? What does aftercare yeah. look like for you? Mm-hmm. You know, and also queering up sex like this piv thing. Yeah, not for everyone. Queer folks have great sex, right? Yep. Let's learn. You mm-hmm. know, it yeah. really takes away from that patriarchal like. Pressure on the penis, mm-hmm. pressure on the other body parts. And the, I think, you know, you're speaking to it, patriarchy capitalism, like all Sonia and yeah. like isms and obias, right? They yeah. contribute to this. It's the trifuckery, Mia. Yeah. Hell yes, it is. <laughs> this is your jam. It's the trifuckery. Oh. I love you, I, like you're just
1: awesome. I feel like literally every fucking problem, sexually or non, yeah. is rooted in rooted. some aspects of a consequence of one of the, you know, the trifuckery, white supremacy, okay. capitalism, and patriarchy. Um, Which is not
2: natural. So I hear what you're yes. saying about that. Does, does yes. that, yeah. Yes, so it, that, that is where I'm coming from. Yes, I hear mm-hmm. you, 100%. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. And
1: and at the same time, like, yes, even I think in a super relaxed, even with unpacking trifuckery, and not necessarily, you know, engaging in a way that is like specifically informed from those systems. Uh Sex is still something that does require some work, especially when it is partnered, when it Mm. is long-term, right? Mm -hmm. Maintaining desire over a long period of time. Mm. That is not something that I think is natural. What I believe and believe I'm more than not informed on is that you know having desire exclusively for one person forever is not natural that what is natural to us is to be able to be attracted to many different people yeah. um yeah. that our bodies just have that reaction um
2: am with you. I could be wrong totally I could be I could you. be really attacking some people right now but <laughs> I mean so monogamy that you know it's really interesting monogamy and again i like could talk about this in my know, too like monogamy is for some people yeah does it mean does monogamy mean someone doesn't have attraction to other people No. yeah right? exactly so monogamy is if it's an intentional decision that two mm-hmm. people make um in a partnership uh and both people are are on board and it works for them cool yeah. cool go for it yeah. that doesn't mean that people aren't going to have attraction to other folks yeah. throughout their lives and some mm-hmm. people are bisexual and monogamous and people are queer and monogamous and mm-hmm. right. And some t- for some folks it works. And for others of us there, it's a constellation, yeah. right. And the ebb and flow and mm-hmm. some people, non-monogamy is a season and some yeah. people it's a relationship orientation, right. For me, it's a relationship orientation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, yeah. And it, it made it work really beautifully in my life. Yeah. So, you know, it can be, and again, there's an invitation here that, mm-hmm. Humans can be fluid. Mm -hmm. Um, We are fluid. Most of us are fluid. And again, we're constantly battling that trifuckery of the Mm -hmm. things that tell us we're supposed to be put in boxes. Yeah. And I say, fuck the boxes.
1: Yes. I literally, first episode of this podcast, almost three years ago, was all about boxes. Mm -hmm. And I fucking hate the boxes. I literally, we get to create our own damn box I get to put the pieces in my box that I want in there. I don't want all the, I don't want the, the, the fucking picture that came in the frame. Mm. Right. I don't want whatever package was just delivered and had all this shit in it. I didn't pick this shit out. Right. I want right. to go through and make my own little funky little box with all these different things that like feel Love in alignment it. for me before right. I like, you know, hop in there
2: and get all cozy. Um, I Love it love 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 it and you get to do that and it gets to change and some things you'll take out of the box Mm -hmm. and some things you'll put in and as as we like and again that goes back to that yeah curiosity and Mm -hmm. interest in learning more and growing more like the boxes get to change Mm -hmm. and that's like the coolest part of being a human who's intentional
1: yeah and it's uh, it's hard when you are an adult because i think people feel like who they are as an adult is just who they are and we Mm. we we lose touch with that like sense of growth and that fluidity and that expansion that like you have as a child as a teen. Think about how many different ways you probably like tried to express yourself as a teen, all the different phases that you went through and allowed yourself to change in those and I think as an adult, like you just get like stuck in that, and it is so important to remind ourselves like we're allowed to change our minds. We're allowed mm-hmm. to learn things that we didn't know at one point and now be different because we now know this one thing and now our life looks different. Our, <sighs> our experience with pleasure now looks different because yeah. we've allowed that openness. We've allowed the transformation. We've invited that into our lives. And I think that's why everyone should, if they can, if it's accessible, uh, to engage in sex therapy so that you can unpack this stuff and not feel like so alone in it. And just you. in this episode, I mean per usual. There's so many different things we could talk about and <laughs> you're so knowledgeable and you're so fantastic. And I love chatting with you and I'm oh, so happy killer. that we got to Sit talk now. about these things. Um, you mentioned several different links and whatnot, mm-hmm. articles and products. Maybe we'll try to get Ona to sponsor this episode. Um,
2: oh, oh. Onup, we um, love you. We love you yes, so much. Yes. And also they, yes, I, and literally, I can't tell you how many times I have one yeah. at home too. Mm-hmm. That we, should, yes, Onet, we love you. Yeah. You're amazing.
1: Yes, I'll I'll try to see if they'll they'll they gift you some stuff as well, or I'll split the ad money with you. We'll see what we can do. I'll oh, be working on it. Um, but we'll link all of that in the episode notes. Um, but can you share a bit of where people can find you, how they can support your work, how they can learn more about things, maybe they want to work with you? What could that look like? Oh,
2: yeah, I appreciate that. And it's, Taylor, I just want to say also like, I love working with you. I mm. love like hanging with you. You're yeah. absolutely fantastic. Just like a gem of a human being you are. Um, you too. So I just want to say that. Um, yeah. So reaching out. So my name is Mia Fine. You can reach me at mm-hmm. MiaFineTherapy.com. Um, we also have this incredible team of mm-hmm. sex therapists who I love, and we have two interns coming on board, which is really exciting. And Taylor, we're doing workshops oh. for, um, I know, for like CEUs, for therapists, and for folks who are like non-therapists. So anybody who wants Ooh. to do workshops. So that's a new a new thing we're doing at the P&W Sex yes. Therapy Collective, which is super exciting. Love we're launching it. that this year, we just did autism and sex and we're doing Mm -hmm. Islam and sex and, um, ADHD and sex is coming up in 2022. And so, Mm uh, you know, kink and we just did kink last week and I taught about vaginismus a couple Mm. months ago. So anyway, we're just, again, kinky sex nerd, right? Like that's my thing. Mm Um, I'm on Instagram, Mia Mm fine.sextherapy, um, at Mia fine.sextherapy. And I just, I think you're going to love this. I just started a TikTok. Oh gosh. Yeah. Good for like, you. You're I, braving it. Wow. I'm braving it. After talking to you I'm like, okay, I think I can do this because I'm like a quirky bird, you know. I don't know. I'll probably resonate yeah. with some people I probably won't yeah. and that is okay. We don't have yeah. to be for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um but you're welcome folks are welcome to reach out to us at pnw Mm sextherapycollective.com. Uh, we are a fantastic bunch and Mm -hmm. I love and trust everybody who works with us. Um, and you can also reach out to me at, you know, via my website, Mm -hmm. super accessible and would love to hear from folks.
1: Yeah. And you'll have a book
2: one of these days (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I, doing the dissertation has been like such an incredible process. I know yeah. you and I meet on a regular basis yeah. and with other folks and talk about this process. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I may publish it. I may not. Yeah. Um, but I definitely teach for, for any mm-hmm. therapists who are considering sex therapy. Um, mm-hmm. I teach at a bunch of different organizations mm-hmm. Um uh, and so, you know, some of that is on my website yeah. and, um, and there, I also recommend uh, working with lots of different um, mm-hmm. sexuality educators and supervisors yeah. and consulting and collaboration. And yeah. we just have an incredible feel that mm-hmm. is just growing yeah. in, in the best way possible. I'm just so excited. Mm-hmm. This is I've got some like great hope for the world, definitely in this, in this arena. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, you're also like such a connector, like you just Mm -hmm. really connect people. Um, so I'm so thankful and grateful to have you in my life. And so, so appreciative of you coming on the podcast and thank you so much for everything, everything that you shared personally, like educationally, professionally.
2: Um, it's been so great having you on Mia. Ditto, my friend. Thank you so, so much. This has been so much fun. I have all those like delicious, you know, (laughs) chemicals from like connecting with you as we always do. So it has been an honor. I feel, I feel great. Thank you. And thanks to everyone listening. Thank you. You're not broken. You're not broken. (laughs) There's a lot of hope. I'll hold it for you. Okay. Yes. Yes.
1: All right, that does it for today's episode. Thank you so much for making it all the way through and keeping your ears, your hearts, and your minds open. It would mean so much to me if you could take a second or two after listening to this episode to leave a review on iTunes and let me know what you're enjoying about the show. I love reading you know, what your favorite episodes are, where you guys listen, um, and definitely feel free to share this with a friend. I mean, part of how we break down the stigmas around these topics is by talking about them, right? and And sharing them with more people. So definitely share the podcast. Um, and again, really wanting to include all of you in this podcast. So if you have questions or you want to share a thought or an experience, please send in a voice memo to ask.letstalkaboutit at gmail.com. And I'm really excited to keep having these conversations and uh, breaking down these stigmas. So thank you all so, so, so much. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week and I'll talk to you next time.